0: Hi, I'm Pam Dunn, and for the next 10 minutes or so, join me in a conversation that will provide practical ways to access your inner wisdom. Since being wise means you will act and behave based upon your knowledge, what you know, it means when we know better, we can do better. There is immense wisdom in listening and learning from others. So what you hear today will provide infinite possibilities and opportunities for practice. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to 10 Minutes of Infinite Wisdom. This is Pam Dunn. And something we haven't done before, we are doing a two-part podcast with Matthew King. Matthew has been a teacher for 15 years. He is also a certified coach for Your Infinite Life, so be sure to check him out on the website. And he is an advocate for children who experience trauma. And so you're going to learn a lot more about that. But first, welcome, Matt.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Tim.
0: You bet. So I want to um, let everybody know the first part of this podcast is about meeting your needs. Second part is going to be about meeting your child's needs. So will you start us off by sharing a little bit about how you came to the wisdom of meeting your needs?
1: Yeah, the hard way, I think, is the short answer to that question. But, you know, in in my own journey as a parent, so my parenting situation is somewhat unconventional. My child came into my life through the foster care system when he was 11, I'm a single parent. He has a significant background of abuse, neglect, early childhood trauma, and he has many of the issues and behaviors and struggles that are associated, uh, that we often associate with with having a background of of trauma. So... uh, I think early on in the early stages of our relationship, when we were leaving the honeymoon period and some of these behaviors started to manifest themselves, I was really in overdrive mode, trying to be everything all the time for my kid. You know, I was his, soul playmate at home, I was the disciplinarian, I was the cook, I was the homework tutor, I was the advocate form at school, I was everything. And I quickly realized several months in that that was not sustainable. I couldn't do that forever, first of all. And then as the burnout began to set in, I started to notice that often I would slide into behavioral patterns when negotiating conflict with him or trying to resolve conflict with him that actually made the situation worse um, that actually deepened the, the lines of conflict rather than resolving them. And on top of that, I started to notice that at some of these moments, I didn't really have complete control over what I was saying, or what I was doing. I didn't want to nag, but I found myself nagging. I didn't want to raise my voice, but sometimes I raised my voice and always, 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 even though I knew in my mind I knew consciously that this was not going to lead to the outcome that I want. I'm thinking that with one part of my brain as I'm doing it. I still at times couldn't stop myself from entering into these situations with him that that actually deepened the conflict. And so I I finally got to the point where I said, "Okay, I've got to start approaching things differently. Um, And part of that was. Learning a lot about how trauma affects the brain, how trauma affects the nervous system, the behaviors um, that are often associated with kids who experience early childhood trauma. But also a huge part of it was learning to recognize and to meet my own needs, sometimes just physiologically, sleep, eating healthy, having to, uh, you know, normal exercise, having some time alone or away but also, you know, emotionally and spiritually, you know, being able to process my own emotions so I could help him do the work of of making sense of his own very strong emotions, and then also developing a consistent practice of meditation and a consistent kind of creative outlet for myself as well. So I set to work over months and over a course of, I would say, months and years, and it's an ongoing journey. Um, making sure that I find that balance of doing that for myself and still being able to uh, meet his very demanding needs.
0: That was such a beautifully put, because I think that everybody can relate, whether, you know, it's parenting or partnering or friendship or, you know, having a a demanding career, which you have all of those, Um, (laughs) by the way, (laughs) you know, but the thing is, is that you know, what you're saying is that you found yourself in overdrive mode, trying to be everything for him, for your child. And talk a little bit about how you found out that it was not sustainable. Like, what were the clues for you that other people might be able to relate to?
1: Yeah. Um, so the first clues for me, honestly, were as I started to, so my son has a diagnosis of PTSD. So of course I did a lot of reading about PTSD and its symptoms. And when I started to notice PTSD-like symptoms in myself, you know, what, what you hear in the literature referred to as vicarious trauma, that was one sign, whoa, I need to slow down <laughs> um, because things aren't going to get better for him if you know, I'm not going to be able to, 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 uh, create the space that he needs to work on his own healing. If I am getting pulled more deeply into, you know, into a more, a place that's more dominated by post-traumatic stress myself. So that was the, the big one. That was one of the big ones for me. And then just getting even more specifically about what does that look like? And, you know, these are things that are problematic for people, whether they're associated with PTSD or not, um, But not getting sufficient sleep, either because I don't have time to sleep or because when I do, when I was trying to sleep, it was either interrupted or I couldn't get asleep or I was spending long periods of time in the middle of the night with my mind spinning, fretting about this or that. Mm -hmm. That would be that that was one big turning point. I think other turning points uh, for me are when I walked away from interactions with him and we both just felt worse. And that's not the interaction. That's not what I intended to go into the interaction with, but I could tell by his facial expressions and body language by the end of it, and by my own feeling inside my body that nothing good happened there. (laughs) We both felt worse. And then I think a third, you know, a a third sign for me was, you know, there was a moment in advocating for him with a, a counselor, somebody he was interacting with at school, where I, just lost it, to to put it politely. And that was another situation where I walked away. And once I regulated and calmed myself down, I thought that didn't do anybody any good. That (laughs) all that did was sever a relationship and it didn't lead to a better outcome for anybody involved in the situation, uh, much less my own child. And I think all of those things, especially for me, are, are pretty out of character. I think people who know me would typically tell you that I'm a pretty calm measured, patient person. I've taught high school ninth graders for 15 years and still love it. Um, And you need a certain level of patience for that. (laughs) Uh, So, so those, you know, those things, you know, really not being able to regulate my own emotions in certain situations, that was a new experience for me to a large degree. Um, It certainly Mm -hmm. is an adult. And it was also so out of keeping with my own sense of identity, who I think of you know, myself as being and who I want to be. And those were some signs to me that, that okay, we got to take a step back here. We got to let some things go and we got to find a, a different approach.
0: You, do, you did something so it seems organically that a lot of people don't do. And that is that, you know, you talk about that you both stepped away and you could tell neither one of you felt good. You knew you didn't and you could tell he didn't. And the thing about that is that a lot of people will then say to themselves or out loud, I don't feel good because of the way you're behaving. Yeah. Or I'm behaving this way because of the way you're behaving. But you really took it to the next level, which allowed you then to actually look at self-care. Look at meeting your needs. Yeah. If you you knew, well, I'm not going to blame him for this. Yeah. I don't feel
1: good either. Well, I'm glad you brought that up too, because I even had that thought that that is the, one of the exact dynamics that I am not wanting to model for him. In other words, he would often go into, um, and again, this is typical of, of children who, who lived in unsafe environments when they were very young. He would go out into the world, into school and have this confirmation bias, this belief that adults were out to get him basically, that they're mm-hmm. out to bust him and get him in trouble unless they, you know, somehow proved differently to them, <laughs> um, to him. Sure. And, you know, I would often hear him say things that basically did that, that basically kind of put the responsibility for his behavior on other people. And that, because that was such a, that's been such a, because that was such a theme in so many of our discussions together, it was in my mind. I very much knew I didn't want to say things to him like, I am feeling upset because you are acting this way, right? I want to very much model for him that, no, my own feelings and how I act on those feelings are my responsibility. And it doesn't matter what you do. You might be the, the you know, your behavior might be the thing that, well, I guess to say it differently, your behavior is never going to be the proximate cause of my behavior, Right. It might, it might be a a catalyst, but my behavior is my own responsibility and your behavior is your own responsibility too. It doesn't doesn't really matter how much you think you're, you know, your teacher or the, you know, whomever is out to get you, you still have the responsibility for your behavior.
0: Yeah. Which is, you know, in many people's books, advanced and advanced concept, but it (laughs) is also a very basic concept that, that I love how you're talking about it because then you can focus on meeting your needs. Yeah. And, and before we wrap up, because you did this and you can tell you're very practiced at meeting your needs now. So you recited it so beautifully, but you covered every area, mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual. So as a way to wrap up, would you mind again, sharing that like for our listeners, what are ways that they can meet their needs mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually?
1: Yeah, I actually um, have. I'm sitting in my classroom, um, and I actually have up above me in my classroom that I use in class. A, uh, it's kind of a, a diagram of human needs, kind of based off Maslow's hierarchy. It's kind of a simplified version. And it's a really good way to think about it. For me, at least hierarchically, you've got to start with your basic needs. We often don't consider sleep a human need, but sleep is a healthy, quality sleep is a need for sure. And when parenting, you know, for sure. So, are you sleeping well? Are you eating healthily and normally? You know, are are you exercising? Right? Are you getting those physical needs taken care of? Then let's go up to some of those higher level needs. Your emotional life. What are the emotions that dominate your life? How do you deal with negative emotions when they? How do you relate to negative emotions when they do come up? So on and so forth, and then going a step higher than that into self-actualization or spiritual needs, whatever term people are comfortable with, something that connects you, something that that is a creative outlet. Um, I think those are uh, certainly all. There might be times in your. I mean, I know there's been times in my parenting journey where. I've had to probably compromise on some of those needs with regards to creative outlets. But at the very least, I think those are the things that are necessary throughout a lifespan um, to feel like you're living a full, healthy, meaningful life. So I do keep that diagram in mind for sure. And, and, and kind of reflect from time to time on, am I meeting those needs for myself?
0: Nice. Yes. So thank you so much. And, Again, everybody stay tuned because the next one is about meeting your child's needs. But thank you, Matthew, for sharing with us so importantly that self-care is the way that we can do a better job in our parenting and our partnering in our careers and taking care of ourselves mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. is the way there. So thank you.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Pam.
0: Accessing our inner wisdom is ongoing and ever-changing. You may now be thinking, how can I access more of my infinite wisdom? Well, we have lots of ways to do that. So go to www.yourinfinitelifeonline.com and consider taking two hours and attend our Skilled Communication online class. Each class is only $99 and is limited to five participants so that you can get individual attention to become a better communicator. We have a learning journey membership program for only $29 per month and five collaboratives throughout the year that bring experts together on various topics. Thanks for joining us. And if you've benefited from this podcast, please subscribe, like, and or comment find out more about our coaching and offerings also at www.yourinfinitelifeonline.com. Have a great week accessing your inner wisdom.